Good morning, Northgate. Welcome to our Sunday video teaching. Today we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and Amy is here with me. And we just want to go through it and share a little bit of our story with it. And uh, then we'll pray at the end. But let's pray at the start now that God will bless his word. So thank you, Lord, for how wonderful you are. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you are with us right now, wherever we are, wherever we're watching this. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to read from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. For that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. For if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. For man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. For as a woman came from man, even so man also comes through woman, but all things are from God. Judge among yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, it is to her glory, or excuse me, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. But if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. Amen. So I just want to give a little history and then we'll share our story or just work through the the passage a little bit. We know Paul, the author, to the church in Corinth. We've been working through the book. There's been some problems in the church and some questions that they have had. Now, Paul was there, uh, we see in the book of Acts, for a year and a half, and there was much fruit, and God promised much fruit in the book of Acts. So the majority of the people coming to know Jesus, though, are not Jews. They are Gentiles. Now, Corinth was a Greek city, but it was under Roman control, but they really worshipped uh, other gods. And one of the biggest gods in Corinth we know, Epaphrodite, which was the god of love or romance or fertility. And one of the practices I think we've mentioned before, but just to remind you, is there was many, many prostitutes. And history would tell us those prostitutes would shave their head. And that's why Paul says it's shameful to do that because it represented this practice of sexuality that was impure, which he's already talked about in the book. But one of the issues in the church too is because 
many of these people don't come from structures the Jewish uh, tradition did that their services seem to be a little chaotic and we know in chapter 14 it says they're chaotic and people specifically were speaking out of turn and probably uh, it's thought to be women now if you look at the culture of the city probably what Paul is going to set forth as order was something they wouldn't have known as order because they're worshiping a female goddess. And Paul is saying clearly that God is the head, Jesus, man, and then woman. So that's a little counterculture and there's some chaos. So he takes this little portion of scripture to deal with their public worship and what it should look like. Now in the midst of that, he does get into a little detail to create structure of relationship and we could say in marriage and in worship. So as I looked at this and thought of that in regards to Corinth, I think we all would say that structure is good. Now obviously there's differing opinions on this and we don't want to be divisive about this, but we do want to honor God's word. And the picture Paul uses at the beginning of chapter 11 is the Trinity. He speaks of them as completely equal. We know God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit are one and equal, but they each have different roles. And he relates that to relationships between people, man and woman. And then he speaks of what the symbol of authority was. But then at the end, he says, listen, if this is going to cause problems, let's just slow down a little bit. Now, as I've prayed about this and thought about this, as I just mentioned, structure is great. We need to frame things out in our life. And basically that's what Paul is doing. He's creating out of something that doesn't have structure. He is creating structure because structure brings freedom. Now it seems opposite in a way. How can I be free in structure? But the reality is, if the structure is godly and solid, it actually gives us much freedom. And I think in our story, or I know personally, the problem is when I try to implement God's perfect structure, when my heart isn't in the right place, it can lead to, well, not good things, maybe sometimes disaster. But God's word is always perfect and true and right. But uh, how we implement that is really important. Now for that culture in Corinth at that time, Paul was certainly implementing to create order within their services. But freedom, freedom is a big word. We want to be empowering each other, male and female, empowering each other in God's perfect love, his structure of the Trinity, which is love and submission, which creates freedom for us to use our gifts, sorry, a little itch, our gifts to use them for God's glory. So just think you're building a house, you think that cornerstone is Christ, his forgiveness, his love, his grace, he is the chief cornerstone, and the frame on the outside is God's word and the truth of God's word all of God's word and then the outside I think changes to the culture we are in. So I could say 
Yeah, the framework, the structure of God's love, true leadership, proper submission is crucial, but that can look a little different culture to culture. And as we're getting older, we're meeting people from all over the world, and we're starting to understand that where we live isn't the only way of how things operate. But God's framework for how we should live, I think, is always right. And so we need to look through God's Word to find that framework. And I think that framework is found in the Trinity, specifically in the love, the sacrifice, and the submission with the Trinity one to another. And that's the way we need to frame things out in our specific cultures. And Corinth in this passage had specific problems due to chaotic services and the cultural influence of a Greek goddess that many people were worshiping which gave them license maybe to act in a way that was inappropriate but yeah again just for this little section beautiful structure brings beautiful freedom and that's what we want to target mm -hmm. so dan asked me to just share a little bit of my story as we journeyed through um life together and living um, according, trying to live according to God's word together. Um, when we were first dating and well actually engaged to be married, we had a mentor who uh, sat down with us and encouraged us with these scriptures, this and others, about uh, men and women and um, how God created us both, um, woman taken from man and so on, and um, showed us the yeah, the consistency, I guess is the word maybe, of this um, this model throughout uh, scripture in Ephesians, talking about marriage, roles of men and women. So he gave us a book called um, Equal But Different and just encouraged us to um, grow into the roles and the, um, the giftings that God had for each of us, knowing that we are different, um, but God sees us uh, equal. And so... Um, yeah, we started life together and we started having uh, children and started life started to get busy and chaotic and we had this, this model, this framework laid out for us. But for me personally, um, I was trying to live within this frame, um, this framework, but I did not, uh, yeah, I didn't, I was trying to live with it or from the outside in necessarily I, I was trying to live within it but my heart wasn't in it my heart was not in it and I knew I knew what God had set out and I wanted to obey and submit to God and that was my heart but my issue was that um, I really didn't know in my heart of hearts God's unconditional love and hadn't received it um, completely into my heart I think it is a process but so I often uh, would would kick against the framework and stub my toe, so to speak. Um, I, my independent self-sufficient nature would rise and, uh, and I would just, yeah, I would try to do things in my own strength and on my own ability. And yeah, I, we had a good relationship. I knew Dan loved me and I received his love, but ultimately I needed to know uh, and be secure in God's love um, before I could uh, listen to and work with Dan in our parenting and so oftentimes I 
yeah, like I said, would kick against the, the, the structure and go off and try to do things in my own strength and, um, and try to think independently and do things independently apart from him because I was struggling to feel loved. And again, um, yeah, it was because I was really struggling to know God's love. So fast forward many, many years, um, and a few are, yeah, a few years ago, we had an, a change in our uh, home where our kids went to school, and anyway, um, Dan, Dan and I had uh, been talking and spending more time together and praying together, and it came up that he wanted me to share some of the things that God was showing me at church on Sunday. Well, this was a real test for me because um, it was, again, do I trust, uh, am I trusting in the framework of the Bible, which is completely trustworthy, um, but it, it brought a lot of fear into my heart because I thought, what if I step outside of, of the framework of God's word? What if I do something wrong? And 1 Corinthians 11 surely came into my mind and uh, I really wrestled with it a bit and asked the Lord and said, could you confirm to me? what you want me to do and I just felt a real um, peace that uh, that my heart was not was was not wanting to usurp authority my heart was not wanting to um, yeah be self-sufficient and take over my heart really just wanted to uh, do what my husband asked me to do and also um, honor God with what he has shown me and uh, and so I did and uh, I really felt Free, although public speaking still is not my my forte, I really felt free to share what the Lord had been showing me, and um, yeah, God used Dan to encourage me to do that. And like I said, uh, as he as Dan encouraged me in my giftings and lifted me up and wanted me to, um, yeah, just gave me more freedom in his love. That uh, I yeah, I felt more free and secure. Well, I felt more free and secure in God's love to move forward and to love Dan back. And um, yeah, that would be uh, it. Yeah, I think one of the issues as you're looking at this that we're finding out, and God showed me this week as I was wrestling with some of this again, is not all truth, if I could say it like that, is equal. I think 1 Corinthians 13 is a great example of that as you move ahead where it says, you know, faith, hope, and love remain, but the greatest of these is love. Uh, it called almost the weightier or the heavy matters. Jesus would describe it when talking to the Pharisees in Matthew 23, when he's talking about tithing their mint and cumin and dill. One thing he says is don't undo those things, but there are weightier, heavier matters justice and mercy and we know his love and grace is probably the greatest of all matters and teaching and i think like amy one of the things i've had to grow in to implement the structure better which isn't complete i'm still growing uh, in knowing yeah the trinity's love and empowerment of each other and submission one of the things we have to know is the weighty uh, truth of love. I think for me that I was always afraid be to do things or not do things, to get truth right or wrong, 
am I right or wrong? Because my value would come more in my behavior or so-called doing the right thing rather than in God's love. And when I've learned to find my value, even though being a Christian my whole life, it's a journey, and I think it is for everyone, because Paul prays in Ephesians that we would mature and come to fulfillment in Christ's love. But as we become more secure in the truth of who we are, we are much more equipped and able to empower one another. And I think in our story, all those years worrying about doing the right thing, the wrong thing, uh, what scripture, this scripture, these important structure, but somewhat secondary things in some ways, as I learned God's love, it allowed me to find my value in him and not if I was doing something perfect or not, or not if I was the super leader in my home or doing every Bible study, but I had this freedom then to allow Amy and her gifts to grow. And that's what we we're trying to say. There's weightier matters and that's God's love. And if the structure is solid in those, this framework works beautifully that Paul's talking about. Now, one thing we've kind of concluded and thought ourselves, head covering, not head, head covering, obviously that's your conscience. That's what the Lord shows you. But if someone comes to church today and they're wearing a hat, no one will have a clue mm -hmm. why they're wearing a hat. That's very Middle Eastern. And again, our you know, we're starting to learn more of the Middle East in different places and how important that is. But not so much in Canada, but what really does matter is that framework of God's love and obeying what he has called us to do in our actions and not necessarily the sign of a head covering. So it does say in verse 13, judge for yourself. It does say in the last verse we read, if this is contentious, but we really believe that God has given each of you the Holy Spirit as believers and the Holy Spirit has anointed you to teach you, to speak to you in your heart. But we know the framework's right. And I guess we're just reminding ourselves that our value is in the love of God, which allows us to build the proper way. But we want to empower one another in this structure and not push push down and I think for much of my life unintentionally probably I pushed down unintentionally when probably I should have been lifting up in God's beautiful order but understanding his heart mm -hmm. yes um, I would agree it's the outworking of God's love not the yeah, like I said, the the framework, um, and God's not asking us to be trapped and stuck in there. Um, he's uh, he's it's he's created it for our freedom. And yes, we are most free when we have order and structure, and we uh, we stay within God's boundaries in our lives is when we find the most freedom. And I think we found that in our marriage. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just reviewing specific case in Corinth. Uh, that Paul was dealing with creating order because of the culture that was affecting their public gatherings and how things were done. Um, God's order is beautiful. Great example is the Trinity. 
but that outflow has to come in how we live by knowing our value in the Lord and not just doing it to do it mm-hmm. or to get it right per se, but our heart in the love of Jesus is just to respond to him. And at the end, you know, we don't want to be contentious and, you know, there has been, to be honest, this week, probably maybe a little PTSD for me in a passage like this. I definitely have uh, been challenged whether no matter what perspective I've taken, people are happy or angry and they're not afraid to tell me, which is okay. We want to hear from you. But uh, it is such a divisive thing that I think in some ways need not be if we truly understand God's love. Mm -hmm. So we'll pray and uh, we'll let you go. Lord Jesus, thank you for the truth of your word. May your Holy Spirit speak to us. May we be like Jesus. May we imitate Jesus. Such perfection in him, in his love for us his sacrifice for us, his covering for us, submission to the Father, how he empowered his disciples and the women in his ministry, how he used men and women as evangelists, as part of his ministry for your glory. Lord, that's what we want to see. We want to see people empowered in the truth of your word, using their gifts, that many, many people will be edified and encouraged. So Lord, Holy Spirit, yeah, we pray that you would work. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, have a great week. Be blessed, and we'll see you later.